Good morning, church. I invite you to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Again, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And hear the word of the living God. And David said, Is there still anyone of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. The king, then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makur, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Please be seated. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do pray that we will metaphorically kiss the Son, meaning that we will give Him honor and praise that we will see Christ more clearly and respond in adoration and in worship. May your truth be rightly divided. 
May man not be exalted, but may you, our great God, triune God, be exalted in this place. Lord, let the preacher disappear entirely. May people see you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Mephibosheth was of the line of King Saul. He was the son of Jonathan, the mighty warrior. We are all offspring of Adam. And Saul, being a son of Adam, sinned in a great way against the Lord. He, his sin resulted in the tribe of Benjamin losing the throne. In 1 Samuel 13, we see Saul offering a sacrifice to Yahweh, that's the Lord, which he was not authorized to perform. Reading 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Though Saul's son Ishbosheth temporarily ruled over all the tribes with the exception of Judah, King David would eventually replace King Saul as monarch over all the Israelite people. In 1 Samuel 15, we see King Saul disobeying the command of the Lord by refusing to kill King Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and to destroy all of the spoils of war, including the sheep, oxen, fattened calves, and lambs. The promised Messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ would come through the line of Judah, the lineage of David. The Messiah would not come through the line of Benjamin, the tribe that Saul belonged to. Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. First book in our Bibles, Genesis chapter 49. And here we see Jacob at the end of his life blessing his son Judah. Genesis chapter 49, looking at verses 8 through 10. Genesis 49, looking at verses 8 through 10. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Who holds the scepter? A king. Eventually, King David, and then King Solomon, would rule over the Israelite people. But ultimately, Christ Jesus the King of kings would rule over all. And He is still ruling over all. And He will rule forever. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And to Him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Undoubtedly, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And He has a chosen people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. His scepter will never depart. He is ruling now, and again, He will rule forever. This is the Lord of glory. And this Savior and King would eventually come from the line of Judah through the line of King David, not the line of King Saul. Turning back to our text in 2 Samuel chapter 9, let's look at verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 9, directing your attention to verse 1. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David deeply loved his deceased friend Jonathan. After Jonathan's death, David said the following about him in 2 Samuel 1, verse 26. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary surpassing the love of women. I must note that some progressive theologians believe that this was a homosexual type of relationship. And this is absolutely not the case. Here's the three reasons why. One, David is described as a man after God's own heart. A man who walked in the ways of God. Homosexuality is an assault on the character of God and His creation design. There's also an attack on the dominion mandate, which states, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That can't happen with two men or two women. Second, homosexuality is prohibited by the Mosaic Law. And third, these scholars have unjustly inserted their worldview into the text. Wedging our personal bias into the text of Scripture must be avoided at all costs. That's very hard to do. It's very hard to do at times. We must all be mindful of that. David and Jonathan shared a deep love and care for each other. They were loyal until the end. Jonathan treated David kindly when David was a young man. And Jonathan helped to keep David safe when King Saul was planning to kill him. Jonathan dearly loved his friend David. After David killed Goliath. We are told the following in sacred scripture in 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 through 4. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. In regards to Mephibosheth, David remembered the oath that he made to his deceased friend Jonathan many years before. Unfortunately, we live in a society where words don't mean very much today. In our land, divorce is commonplace. 
and deception, lying and stealing are not uncommon practices in the workplace or in different business negotiations. But praise the Lord, we serve a God who is faithful and true. Psalm 33 verse 4 reads, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. Revelation 19.11, referring to Jesus, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness He judges and makes war. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Our covenant-keeping God is faithful and pure. And lastly, Psalm 12, verses 6-7. through The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. O Lord, You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. Quick commentary. In Scripture, seven is the number of completion. Number of perfection completeness. In 1 Samuel 20, verses 14 through 15, we see Jonathan speaking to David when David was hiding from Saul. It reads, if I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth we know that the two men loved each other deeply. And David would honor the vow he made to his friend Jonathan. And this promise would prove to be a blessing to Mephibosheth many times. In 2 Samuel 21, David had to avenge the blood of the Gibeonites. If you remember back to Joshua 9, the Gibeonite people were afraid that the Israelites would exterminate them as they were conquering areas of the promised land. The Gibeonites tricked Joshua and the Israelites. Thus the Israelites mistakenly made a treaty with them, allowing the people to live. During Saul's reign, in zeal, he killed many of the Gibeonites. But this was against the oath made with the people described in Joshua 9. David rightly delivered seven of Saul's sons to be executed by the Gibeonites. Seven of Saul's offspring to be executed by the Gibeonites. But we learn in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 7, that David spared Mephibosheth. Reading 2 Samuel 21, verse 7. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was made between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. Jonathan's covenant with David was a blessing and a protection for Mephibosheth. In the same way, brothers, your personal walk, your faithfulness, your obedience to the Lord and to the things of God will be a blessing to your children. God is pleased to use means. He's sovereign over all things. And yes, He's sovereign over salvation. I cannot save my children. It's through Christ alone. 
through his sovereign choice alone, but the Lord is pleased to save my children more than my pagan neighbor's children. Yes, I say that. The Lord is sovereign over means. And he will bless obedience. He will bless obedience. David remembered his promise to Jonathan. Again, I'm not advocating for a works-based salvation. There is only one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And parents cannot save their children. But we should be like Job. In Job chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, and intercede for our children before the throne of grace. Reading Job 1, 4 and 5, his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Brothers and sisters, do not despair. If you have an adult children, adult child who you did not raise for the Lord, or maybe you did and they're not walking with Him. Take possibly your guilt and your burden to the Father and bring your prayers for your adult children and your young children continually before Him, for He hears our prayers. Additionally, older brothers and sisters, you have a wonderful and an ongoing opportunity to encourage parents raising children in this congregation and in your families and possibly even your next-door neighbor. In 1 Chronicles 8.34, we learn that Mephibosheth was also called by the name Meribbaal. The name means antagonist or contender against Baal. Meribbaal would be a witness against false religion because his name proclaimed... I stand against, I stand in opposition to Baal. Baal was the false Canaanite deity, the false storm god. Parents, you will likely not name your children antagonist against Islam or contender against Roman Catholicism, but you must raise your children to stand for truth. Please direct your attention back to the Word of God, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1-3. through 3. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. David desires to do good to the offspring of Jonathan. We are instructed that Ziba tells the king that Mephibosheth is lame. Please turn back a number of chapters to 2 Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4 looking at verse 4. 
2 Samuel chapter 4, directing your attention to verse 4. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. It's a brief commentary. Jonathan and Saul and the Israelite people are fighting. Jonathan dies in battle. And Saul commits suicide. He falls on his sword. This nurse, desiring to protect young Mephibosheth, picks him up, running for her life, drops the child. And he's crippled in his feet. And Mephibosheth was crippled from his youth. He's crippled his entire life. And in a similar way, every human being is born crippled. We are born totally depraved because of our first parent's sin. And as Mephibosheth would not be able to do certain things because of his disability, so likewise we as fallen in Adam have no ability to come to Christ unless the Father wills. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 2.1 that prior to conversion, everyone was dead in trespasses and sins. Tell me, can a dead person walk? Can a dead person talk? Can a dead man choose Christ? No. He has no ability to come unless, of course, the Father wills. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. The good news is that we have a good God and a mighty Savior. We have a thrice holy sovereign who is perfect, pure, and He is rich in mercy. Reading Ephesians 2, 4-7, through But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Let's look back at 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 4. 2 Samuel chapter 9, looking at verses 4 through 6. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him from the house of Makur, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Mephibosheth lived in Lodabar, which is east of the Jordan River, while Jerusalem is situated to the west of the Jordan. Mephibosheth is brought to the city of Jerusalem 
and he presents it before King David, he would have been terrified. He likely imagined that the king would kill him since he was of the line of his predecessor, King Saul. The text instructs us that Mephibosheth fell on his face and paid homage. He gave respect to King David. He took a posture of full submission. The crippled grandson of the fallen ruler laid in front of the mighty ruling monarch. Brothers and sisters, one day all human beings will submit to the rule of Christ. Friends, have you done this? Have you come to Him? Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 reads, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mephibosheth addresses David by saying in verse 6, Behold, I am your servant. If that was Mephibosheth's response to a human king, how much more should we respond in submission and respect and adoration to the creator of David and Mephibosheth, the creator of you and me, the maker of Peoria, the originator of Arizona, the United States, North America, the world, the universe, the seen and the unseen realms. As Mephibosheth laid in homage before David, so we too must lay before Christ in obedience, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Looking back at your copy of sacred scripture, looking at verse 7, 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. King David tells Mephibosheth not to be afraid. Additionally, David would restore Saul's land to him. But even better, Mephibosheth would now dine with King David. Mephibosheth would not only eat with David once or twice, he would eat with David always. He would eat with him continually. Christian, my dear Christian brother and sister, you understand that you were once in a place of darkness, in rebellion, because of our first father's disobedience to God. But now you have been brought into the glorious light because of the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect righteous life, never sinning unlike the first Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Christians are saved, and one day we will receive our glorified bodies. In the new earth, we will be with God in Jesus, and we will feast and have pure fellowship with the saints. 
from Adam all the way to the last person born. Isaiah 25, verse 6. We're reading from the New American Standard Bible. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. Aged wine. Matthew 8, 11. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Mephibosheth was brought from hiding into the palace. And not just into the palace. He was given a place at the king's table. Direct your attention back to the text, looking at verse 8. And he paid homage, homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Mephibosheth doesn't see himself as lowly. He sees himself as worthless and despicable. The disabled man, the grandson of the former ruler in front of the king in his glory. Do you, friend, in a similar way, realize your unworthiness and your filth before the monotheistic triune God. You know that all of your sin is truly against God. There's no picadillos. There's no little white lies. Every sin is rebellion against God. The beauty and wonder and the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is that God saves His people for himself. And God saves man from God. We were born totally lame and crippled by sin. We were born unclean and unwilling to submit to God. Lowly, disabled Mephibosheth. Is every Christian prior to their conversion the terrible impact of Adam's rebellion against God. For those who know God, those who are called His children, you know that you have a place of honor because you stand not in your own works, not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus. Mephibosheth, did not do anything to earn a place at David's table. And likewise, you cannot earn salvation through your many efforts. The weak Mephibosheth likely could not do anything naturally to impress David. David is the mighty warrior, psalm writer, and champion of the people. And in a similar way, David, Mephibosheth, you and I cannot earn approval, cannot earn the approval of God. We as sinners are saved through grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. So how do you come? 
you submit. You bow to Christ as Mephibosheth prostrated himself before David. You took a position of full surrender. So you must come to Jesus and declare Him as Lord. He is not just Lord over your public life, your public actions, your visible words, or even public worship. He is Lord over your thoughts, over your private deeds. He is Lord over your entire life's direction. If you do not know Him, I invite you to come. Turn from your sin and surrender everything to Him. It's for your good and it's for His glory. May Christ have His bride. He died for a chosen people. In glory, you will stand with Adam and Abraham. And Ruth and Peter and Paul, Rahab the prostitute, Gomer the the lawless woman. The backslider called home. The metaphorical prodigal son. Do you see his beauty and his worth? May Christ have his people. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, may Christ have his bride. May she be pure and brilliant and white. Oh, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. May we all take a posture like Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth couldn't run a race, but often we think we're like Usain Bolt. But in reality, we are like Mephibosheth, lowly and crippled, unable to come. So I ask that you call your people to you. And we know that those that you call, you also keep. Not by our doing, but by your sovereign choice, by your sovereign love, by your sovereign grace. In Jesus' name, amen.